Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we're going to be discussing the topic of ag carbon credits, frequently asked questions and answers. To discuss this, I'm joined today by Dave Aiken, who's a professor in the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and also an Extension Specialist in Agricultural and Water Law. Thanks for joining me today, Dave. Good to be with you, Aaron. Ag carbon contracts are really getting quite a bit of interest right now among farmers and ranchers. So let's start with the fundamentals. What are carbon contracts? Well, uh, basically, it's farmers or ranchers uh, working with uh, some carbon company or uh, outfit to try to sell carbon credits that the farmer or rancher may um, get through storing carbon on their land. So flesh that out for us a little bit. How does carbon storage work? Well, it turns out that this is actually one of the controversial parts. Basically, what happens is that, you know, plants store carbon in the ground through photosynthesis. I'm sure our audience already understands that. Producers can change some of their practices to try to increase uh, the amount of carbon storage. And this additional amount can then oftentimes be sold on the carbon markets. But it's complicated and sometimes expensive to uh, measure the stored carbon and the changes in carbon storage. And also, these carbon credits are marketed on a ton of carbon or greenhouse gas emission equivalent stored in the ground. And it often takes more than one or two acres to get a single uh, ton of carbon stored uh, each year. So what are some things in terms of how these carbon contracts look? What should farmers and ranchers be aware of with that? Well, the big thing to remember or to understand is that there um, is no standard carbon contract. Every company develops their own and there's no uh, regulatory oversight of any kind. So unless they engage in outright fraud, uh, that's something you can take them to court on. Uh, but otherwise, you know, they can pretty much do their contracts uh, however they want. And so it's kind of the wild, wild west out there. But generally, we can say that they're going to deal with the specific practices that the producer will implement to try to increase the carbon storage, uh, how carbon storage is going to be measured and verified, how many years the contract can last, how much or how the farmer will get paid, and what happens if either the farmer or the carbon company breaks the contract, that is, doesn't meet one of the requirements in the contract themselves. How would payments for carbon contracts occur, and what would be kind of some common numbers that a farmer or rancher might expect to get? Okay. First of all, there's no exchange that's public that tells you what these carbon contracts are being bought and sold for. These are basically just private contracts between the carbon company and the producer. So it's just like, you know, if you're renting land, that rental agreement is a private contract between you and the landlord. And nobody else knows what you're paying for that land unless you, uh, uh, for the rent, unless you tell them or, you know, how your rent is set up. So that's how all these carbon contracts are. There's there's no disclosure anywhere 
And so we're guessing in, in terms of you know what the prices are. And a lot of that is based on word of mouth. I think 10 to $15 per ton is a good ballpark for what ag carbon credits are going for today or have been going for in the recent past. It depends on how many acres it takes to generate a ton per year to get that 10 or 15 bucks. If it takes three acres, then you're going to get three to five bucks and maybe a little less than that when the carbon company deducts their selling costs and, and their own expenses you know, from that, what you get for selling the carbon contracts. It's hard to say. If you talk to one of these, a representative from one of these carbon companies, they'll tell you what they've been getting uh, for the carbon contracts that they've offered to uh, buyers, you know, in the carbon contracts, and they can help you estimate what you might get. You know, if it takes three acres to get a ton per year, for example, then they'll help you figure out what you could, what you might receive if you sold your carbon contracts with them. But it's really, in terms of getting a firm dollar amount, that's really hard to do. And they think about the values that these carbon companies are offering. Obviously, they're turning around and then selling that to some other company or corporation that's looking for an offset. Is there some number out there that maybe we could get some picture of what's the difference between what the farmer or rancher is getting versus what that company that's paying for the offset is paying? Well, I'm sure there are deals out there that are a lot like cornflakes. The corn farmer is getting 10 cents on the dollar for what they sell cornflakes for in the grocery store. I don't know if it's quite that bad, but again, there's no regulatory oversight. So these guys can, they can buy the carbon contracts as cheap as they want, and then they can turn around and sell them for two, three, four, five times as much as the, as the farmer or rancher got. So there's really no limits in terms of how this game is played. As we think about carbon contracts, and we think about there's a lot of land in Nebraska and in all states that the person who owns the land is not the person who farms it. How do carbon contracts work in a situation where we have a tenant or maybe a landlord? Who gets the payment? How's that set up? What are some things to be aware of with that? I would guess that the general rule is that uh, most carbon companies seem to want to work with the landowner. And so it'll be up to the landlord and the tenant to decide, are they going to split whatever they receive from the carbon credits? Uh, instead of getting cash, is the tenant going to get a credit towards the rent? There are a lot of ways to do it, but there's no, there's no standard way, although it seems that most carbon companies uh, do want the landlord to sign on the contract, and then they leave it up to the landlord and the tenant to figure out how they're going to do it. Now, I have in some of the ag publications, I have seen at least one carbon firm say that if the tenant has had the land for a long time, they will work with the tenant directly. But I would say that that is probably the exception and not the rule. So it, if you've got a, a, a carbon deal that looks pretty good, you know, then you would probably have to sit down with your landlord and and try to try to work something out unless you can get the carbon company to deal with you directly but again that's probably not the way it's going to be 
what's kind of a typical length of time we're looking at for some of these carbon contracts? If I sign up, how long am I committed? They vary all the way from one year that can be, you know, renewed to as long as 20 years. So I've, I've seen one company that, that does one year, five year and 10 year contracts. So you really kind of have to have to talk to them and sort of see how they do it and, and kind of what their options are. There's, again, there's no real standard setup for that. Dave, you mentioned earlier that it's kind of the wild, wild west, so to speak, as we think about carbon and carbon contracts. And I think with that comes some confusion, lack of clarity about carbon markets. Is there any efforts being put in place to bring more transparency in terms of what's going on with carbon and carbon markets? Yes, there is, Aaron. I'm happy to say the Growing Climate Solutions Act, uh, which was passed by the uh, U.S. Senate uh, back in June of last year, and which was co-sponsored by Nebraska uh, U.S. Senator Deb Fisher, um, it would give USDA a big role in setting uh, standards for uh, measuring and verifying uh, carbon storage and would have an online web page where people could go to find out, you know, who's buying and selling carbon contracts, say, in Nebraska. And you could find out, you know, who they are, what their prices are, and all this stuff would be, would be online. Had conversation with somebody last week who's close to Congress on ag issues, and he he said that he felt there was a good chance uh, that it would be passed this year uh, before the November elections. So, if that were to be passed, there's a lot of parts in in that S1251, the Growing Climate Solutions Act, uh, but the basic intent is to try to make things more straightforward, uh, easier to find out what's going on. And people who would be certified by USDA as USDA certified uh, carbon professionals would have to agree that in their contracts, uh, they would have to be honest. First of all, they'd have to act in good faith. So that means they can't play hide the ball and try to snooker you. But also, it means that they would have to give you a good faith estimate of if you signed up with them, how much money would you get? And so that would be, you know, there's, there's, there would be some real advantages to this law, uh, to this bill, if it would be passed. And if it were, um, I would hope that within the next year or so, we'd get better information in terms of how these things all work and what the market looks like and where the market might be going and, and that sort of thing. We've talked about farming a little bit, but in Nebraska, almost half of our land is in perennial pasture. What's the situation with carbon contracts and pasture? Okay, there are about 11 or so carbon programs that I've come across that are for cropland. Uh, but there's only one that I have found that is for pasture. And it's um, a group out of Texas called Grassroots Carbon. And so uh, if you Google that, grassroots, one word, and then carbon, that'll take you to their webpage and you can fill out a little form if you want to talk to someone and they will give you 
inf more information than is on their webpage about their program and, and how they work with producers. There's stuff on their uh, website, if I'm remembering correctly, about, you know, regenerative bag and stuff like that. So they're kind of taking a, a long-term view uh, in terms of that. And I know that most ranchers are trying to manage their uh, pasture resources on a, on a long-term sustainable basis. And so, you know, there's the one group that I know about for sure. There may be others out there that I haven't, uh, that I haven't come across yet, but, you know, there is, there is at least that one. And at the University of Nebraska, we have a Center for Agricultural Profitability, um, or CAP, C-A-P for short. And if you go to cap.unl.edu, there is a uh, one-hour webinar where there I talk to representatives of three different carbon companies, and one of the carbon companies is this Grassroots Carbon. So, you know, you can listen to that webinar and listen to what they had to say about their program and, and, and uh, you know, the helpful information. And they're happy to talk. They're always happy to talk about what their programs are and, uh, and uh, answer your questions to see if they can get you to sign up. Dave, any last thoughts on this as you think about farmers and ranchers, things they ought to think through and be aware of before they enter into a carbon contract? The, the big one, uh, Aaron, is that, you know, these these carbon contracts are a long way from being standardized and figuring out from a legal perspective whether it's a good deal or not is not a do-it-yourself proposition unless you're an attorney and so i highly recommend that before you sign anything you take it to your lawyer and make sure that you understand very well what happens uh, you know what the contract means. You know what the what the uh, kind of potholes might be that would trip you up. You know if you if, if something happens, say that we have an extreme weather event and 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 you and you're not able to store the the carbon that you were obligated to and stuff like that. How does that affect the con How does that affect the contract? How does that affect payments? All all that kind of stuff. And if you can have the lawyer walk you through it that would really be, you would really understand what you're getting into before you sign it. And I know there's some of, some listeners are saying, well, what does my lawyer know about carbon contracts? Well, he or she has probably never seen one yet. Uh, however, 95% of what's in a carbon contract is going to be very similar to what's in any business contract or, you know, any of a range of different type of type of business contracts. And so it's going to be very familiar stuff to the attorney. Uh, and so they'll be able to explain to you, uh, you know, can they file on my land if I don't sequester the carbon that I've said I was going to sequester, you know, or if they measure it and it comes up short, you know, what goes on, what happens then and all of that kind of stuff. But your attorney can explain that to you. I mean, the carbon company will explain it to you, but they're, they're trying to get you to sign up. The, the attorney is working for you. And so they will give you, a straight scoop and and maybe even the attorney will help you negotiate with them to see if they can change some of the, the things that you don't like or whatever. But, you know, that's something that's going to be very difficult for you to do on your own. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Dave. Uh, it's my pleasure. And uh, I think these carbon contracts are going to be around for a while. And hopefully as time goes on, you know, it'll become more familiar and more standardized uh, from a legal perspective and easier to understand. And uh, so that'll make 
that make it easier for producers to participate in those carbon markets. For more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the CAP website. Again, that's the Center for Ag Profitability at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. At that website, there are several resources on this topic.